Hello, welcome to the Psalmcast. It's a Friday afternoon as I'm addressing you today, and this is a podcast where we're journeying through the book of Psalms to learn from the Psalms how to pray. And I want to just mention on a personal note that this has been a really fun journey for me. I mean, look, we're only on like Psalm 5 today. We're, we're barely even scratching the surface. And already, even just for me, as I've been dwelling in these Psalms on a regular basis, there is just so much here that I am learning about prayer. And I say this as someone who has grown up in a Christian home and who has, in some way or another, had prayer featured as a, a significant part of my own Christian life. But the Psalms just are, are unrivaled when it comes to what they can teach about prayer. And so I'm actually very excited uh, for the particular Psalm that we're looking at today. This is Psalm 5. I want to read part of it, stop, make a couple comments, and then just work through the Psalm that way today. So here's Psalm 5 written by David. Verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. So the image here is of David waking up early in the morning and he's taking his prayers and he's making them before God. And actually, the word that is used here where he says, I lay my requests before you, it's the same word that's used of how Abraham arranged the wood when he was preparing the altar to sacrifice his son Isaac. And I just love this image that David is waking up early in the morning. He's taking his prayers almost like pieces of firewood. He's arranging them, laying them out before God so that the fire of of God's answer would fall on those prayers. But it actually raises a question. You know, the question would be, you know, here's David calling for God to hear him, to listen to him. The question I think this raises is, well, how do I actually know that God will hear my prayer? How do I actually know much more that he'll answer my prayer? So just hold that question in your mind and now listen to what David Uh, says in the next couple of verses that can be taken as a reflection on that question. So here's verse four. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. So what David's reflecting on here is the fact that God does not listen to the prayers of the wicked. He says in verse 4, with you the wicked cannot dwell. Verse 5, the arrogant cannot stand in your presence. And this is not something that's new. I mean, if you look throughout the Old Testament, there are multiple statements that are basically to this effect. So just as an example, in Proverbs 15, 29, it says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Or in Psalm 66, verse 18, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And these verses are verses that explain why in the New Testament, in John chapter 9, the blind man, a man whom Jesus has given his sight to, speaks to the Pharisees and he actually rebukes them somewhat. He says, We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to the one who worships him and does his will. What the blind man is essentially telling the Pharisees is, look, you guys need to put two and two together here. This man, Jesus, gave me my sight. Now, we know that God would not honor this man, Jesus, and allow him to do miracles through me if he was a wicked person. You know, God wouldn't hear 
the prayers of a wicked person. And so, ergo, if Jesus is the one who has been given power by God to do these miracles, then you guys need to realize that just who it is you're dealing with here. He's more than just an ordinary human being. And so this is the same reflection that David's having too. He's saying that when I lay my requests before God, God is not going to hear me if I'm on the the side of, of the unrighteous. And this creates a problem because we know throughout the Bible that there is no one who is righteous. You know, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so the question is, how is it even possible that God would hear any of our prayers at all? We'll look on at the very next verse in verse 7. I think this is the key verse to this entire psalm because David gives you the answer. Verse 7 says, But I, by your great mercy, will come into your house, and reverence will I bow down toward your holy temple. What David is saying here is that the reason that he is able to come before God into his presence and the reason that God would hear his prayers has nothing to do with him. And it has everything to do with God. And this is an idea that you finally see fully fleshed out in the New Testament. And and probably the, the book that speaks to this more than any other would be the book of Hebrews, where the book of Hebrews explains the way that Jesus is our great and faithful high priest, and that because of what Jesus did on the cross, living a perfect life, dying the death that we should have died, It's through Jesus and through his intercession that we have access to the Father. Let me just read you one of the climax statements of the argument of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. And just think about as you hear this, what this means for our prayers. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So what the author of Hebrews is doing here is he's essentially taking the doctrine of justification by faith and he's making a statement that has all kinds of relevance for our prayer lives. Because we never have been able to come to God on our own merits, and that includes in prayer. Instead, Jesus has died for us. He's clothed us in his righteousness, and it's on that basis that through Jesus, we're able to come to God. And what we've seen here through Psalm 5 actually has extraordinary practical application because on the one hand, what Psalm 5 does is it keeps you from pride. You know, verses 4 through 6 say that, you know, God doesn't hear your prayers on on your own merits because all of us have sinned and God doesn't listen to the prayers of sinful people. And so this actually can really be humbling. It can remind us that I don't just have a right to waltz into God's presence. I just, I don't have a right for him to listen to me when I pray. And it guards against kind of being bloated, being prideful in that regard. But on the other hand, Psalm 5 keeps you from despair because if you really were to face up to your own sin, then, then, then you would fall apart because you would despair that God would ever, ever listen to you. And yet the reality is, as verse 7 says, that because of what Jesus has done, because of God's great mercy, we do have access to him. We can come before him as a child would come before his, his mother or father and have that kind of intimacy and access. So on the one hand, it keeps you from pride, but on the other hand, it keeps you from despair. That's the, the uh, I think, the heart and soul of Psalm 5. And then just to wrap up, in verses 8 through 12, um, there's just a, a kind of a concluding reflection. Let me read these verses. 
David says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make straight your way before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongue, they speak deceit. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. So in this little reflection, I think David is doing more than simply calling down cursing on on the wicked. And that's actually a whole separate theological problem of of what has been called the the imprecations in the Psalms, the way that very often in the Psalms, there are these very, very strong, sometimes even violent um, calls to to bring justice to the wicked. And that's a discussion for another time. But I think that David is doing more than trying to speak out against his enemies. I think he's actually praying that the Lord would protect him from becoming like his enemies. I mean, so he says in verse 8, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. You know, I think David is, is reflecting on the fact that, man, I have no right to come before God on my own merits. Um, and, and therefore, I need to be careful that I don't, <laughs> I, I don't lose sight of the incredible grace of God. You know, I don't want uh, to do what Paul talked about in Romans 6 and just flaunt the grace of God and say, well, you know, because by God's mercy, I can come into his presence in prayer, that therefore I can just live however I want. You know, David recognizes that's not how grace works. And so he prays here, Lord, keep my heart from going down the path uh, of sin. And then in verses 11 and 12, he concludes, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. David concludes the psalm by simply turning to God and saying, Lord, look how much I have in you. You've given me refuge and protection. You've given me joy and happiness. And you've given me blessing and favor. All things that are mentioned or alluded to in these last couple of verses. And he feeds on those things in order to keep his heart thankful and grateful before God for the incredible mercy that has been shown to him. And on which basis he's able to come before God at any time, in any way, and have his prayers be heard. So just in closing, let me turn this psalm now into a prayer and take what this psalm has said and and turn those things um, into an offering of prayer before God. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you for Psalm 5. Um, We want to confess to you that Our own hearts are full of fear and doubt that you will hear our prayers. And Father, we doubt even more that you would answer them. And Father, we also want to confess that of ourselves, we don't deserve for our prayers to be heard. Father, we confess that all of us have sinned and that all of us have done things that would disqualify us from having our prayers heard by a God who is holy. But Lord, we give you thanks that because of what Jesus has done and by his great mercy, we have been given the right to draw near to you in prayer and to have our prayers heard. Lord, we ask that you would keep us from flaunting that grace. Lord, that you would not have us live in license, but Lord, that you would protect us from squandering the grace of God. Keep our our feet on a path of gratitude, on a path of thankfulness for all that you have given us. Lord, we thank you for the refuge and the protection, the joy and the gladness, the, the favor and the blessing that you've bestowed on us in Jesus. So Father, every time we enter into your presence, 
would we do that with amazing gratefulness and awe that you would have gone to such lengths to hear the prayers of even people who are as broken and flawed as we are. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your great mercy. Amen.